today we're going to learn from a famous wedding in the Bible that wasn't going that well. So right now, let's welcome our senior pastor, Chuck Brewer. All right. And welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody here and watching online and on the patio. Uh, I love we get to be together. Before we dive into the message today, I know that we need to do something together, and that is we need to take time to remember and uh, not let go of the fact that 13 of our service people gave their lives for our country and doing that to try to protect other people. The word that's coming out about many of them is they loved what they did. They wanted to make sure other people had someone who stood up for them, someone who cared for them, someone who would stand in the gap for them. And uh, then a bomb goes off and they're gone. Uh, that is uh, something locally. We've lost three people who are very local to this area. And then, of course, across the country, many, many other families are grieving. So we know how tragic that is. We know how hard it can be. But we also know that it's the right thing to do to not just let a time like this go, but to remember. Um, also, at the same time, we're about an hour, maybe two hours away from Hurricane Ida hitting the New Orleans area. A lot of people watch our church from the Louisiana area. We did get word that not all of them were able to get out. This is 16 years to the day that Katrina hit, and this hurricane is bigger and more powerful, and last I heard it was one mile an hour from being a Category 5. Um, so, you know, hopefully God is going to do something to protect people and things will hold up, but I think we've got to pray about both. We need to do both. So I'm going to ask you to do this with me. I'm going to ask you right now to stand where you are. And let's have a moment of silence for those service people who gave their lives to protect other people. Abba Father, we pray right now for the families are now dealing with such loss and I'm sure incredible grief and to have a, a child that is so honorable both men and women that they chose to go and and try to be a rescue to others try to make a difference in the lives of others and uh, some are husbands and wives even and we pray oh God that um, your hand would be with each family who's dealing with this hurt and pain we pray, God, that we as a people would never forget that the freedom we have isn't free. And, uh, Lord, while there's so much evil in the world, there are, there are people who stand against it. So we pray right now for the families who are dealing with loss, and we pray that we, we would find ways to honor, honor what they've done by standing for love and shining as lights and caring for others in whatever way we can. Lord, I also want to pray for uh, the, the people who are right now in the path of a monster storm that's coming their way. 
We pray, God, that this would not be another Katrina and definitely that it would not be worse. Uh, we pray, God, for protection. We pray the levee will hold. Uh, we pray, God, that somehow you would calm things in the right moment, the right time. I pray for the people who are in the hospitals that can't get away. And the hospitals right now are trying to do everything they can to be ready for what's to come. And we pray that they were able to do it and are ready to have the right way to have electricity and to not stop care for people who need it so badly. So, Lord, um, we in this moment know that life is fragile and things can become precarious. And uh, we care. And so we call out for you to intercede in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's right that we care. It's right that we remember. But we also know that life, life goes on. And I don't mean that in any kind of a callous way. Because I think it's right that we as a church family celebrate with Pastor Noah and his wife Viv, who just had their third child. So I am praising God for that. She is a beautiful little girl, Jaden Noel Berrigan. She came in at eight and a quarter pounds, uh, which, by the way, Viv doesn't weigh much more than that. <laughs> so uh, she's beautiful, beautiful, healthy little girl, and that makes the third child in their family, and we just praise God for them and for what's happened in their life, which is really, really cool. Uh, life is uh, uh, very often shaped by things where we have to deal with some loss, but it's also dealt with times of great celebration. Uh, we are going to be looking at the first of seven signs that Jesus did, the first of seven miracles he enacted, uh, and that John says proves beyond a shadow of a doubt he's the Messiah. And where did he do this first miracle? He did it at a wedding, and he saved a couple. From, from humiliation and shame. Remember that they lived in what we call an honor culture. A lot of us don't understand that. But in an honor culture, uh, honor is a big deal. That you honor your family and you honor the tradition and you honor heritage. But when that doesn't occur, the shame is very often not just for a moment. It can be lifelong. And, and there... In the days that Jesus was walking the earth, weddings were a big deal. You would prepare for a wedding, especially the wedding feast, for over a year. You would save up. You would do it to honor the couple, to honor the family, to honor the mothers and fathers, to honor the village. And so it, was not a, 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 it wasn't something you would take lightly. And what happens to this couple is they're about to run out of wine. So it, running out of wine didn't just end the feast. By the way, it would end the feast. It's over. The rabbis taught without wine, there is no joy. So the feast is over. But everybody would have thought, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you plan better? How could you have not covered this? I mean, that was going to, in that moment, turn one of their greatest joys into one of their greatest sorrows. And they would need someone to intercede. They would need somebody to step in. When we were sitting with our team talking about this, uh, Tim Roberts said this. He goes, it's almost like the, I know a guy. You know, like someone came to Mary, Jesus' mom, and said, they're out of wine. It wasn't her place to take care of it, but Mary might have said, I know a guy. You know, 
Uh, and then I started thinking about our friend Michael Francisi, uh, who uh, was in the Colombo crime family. By the way, Michael, we're going to have him back again. But he actually was in the Colombo crime family. Uh, the FBI uh, said that he was one of the most notorious mafia figures that has ever existed. And I was sitting with Michael, and he said, yeah, I remember the old days. People would come to me and say, I'm having a problem with the building inspector. And he would say, I know a guy. <laughs> Somebody would say, you know what? Somebody's bullying my child. And it'd be, I know a guy. Wouldn't you like that? Someone broke your daughter's heart. I know a guy. Teacher's not going to give your son an A. I know a guy. <laughs> and the scary thing, he didn't know a guy. Um, but you know what? Is Jesus wants to come through for you in moments where you need him to show up. You need him to make a difference. When we talk about the miracle that's about to occur, and we're going to get to how big it was, Jesus did it because he cared about somebody's life, someone's family, someone's joy. And I want you to know Jesus cares about you that way too. So as we study on this idea of the God who does the miraculous, the God who comes through, we see the very first sign of Jesus in a moment that a couple needed it badly. And so we see in that moment this incredible moving of the Lord. In John chapter 2 verse 1 it says this, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said, they have no wine. Now, again, I, I don't want you to miss this. Uh, this wedding, uh, uh, by the way, the way a Jewish ceremony would have happened, they would have had what we consider the actual wedding ceremony. And then when that was done, the bride would go to her home, the groom would go to his home, and they would prepare for the feast for, like I said, up to a year to get all the wine, all the food, all the people there. And the people would come together and the bride and groom would come back together. And now the celebration begins. There would be music. There would be dancing. There would be feasting. But again, in this setting, there would be wine. So the wine's gone. You know, I do think in some ways we can relate because uh, most people put a lot of time in planning for their wedding. Um, I, I, I used to do wedding after wedding after wedding, and I saw uh, uh, lots of different ways that, that people did weddings. I saw though some, some brides turn into bridezilla. You know why? She had been thinking about that wedding since she was a little girl, and she wanted everything to be right and perfect. And I watched some of the sweetest, sweetest college-age girls become some of the most, I won't use the word. One time, we had this one girl who, I never saw it coming, but she turned into like, you know, I said mafia with a friend. See, she was like mafia bride, and so um, she was driving her, her future husband crazy. He's like, can you just relax? Can you just not get so bent out of shape? She's like, no, it has to be perfect, and then she was on every single detail. So I walk in. The wedding actually went really well. I walk into the reception and I look over, and two of the college guys in my ministry who were groomsmen were, were picking up a, a, a wedding cake top. And I thought, what are they doing? And so what they did is they've got two forks, and they walk by the bride eating the top of the wedding cake. 
And she's freaking out. Like she's, and what she didn't know is they got a picture of her wedding cake and they went and had another top made just to drive her crazy. (laughs) It was so fun and funny. And she didn't think so, not for a moment. But now they're out of wine. So what are they going to do? I mean, it all would end, shame would come, and then Mary steps in. Mary steps in in that moment. And uh, in John 2 verse 4, it says, And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's the line I don't want you to miss. But I want you to catch everything up till then. They're out of wine and Mary becomes aware. And she goes to Jesus. Now I want you to think about on an earthly uh, uh, a view, uh, in human perspective, there's nothing Jesus can do. We know that his family was not wealthy. As a matter of fact, when it was time to dedicate Jesus, they made the offering that the poor would make, people without money. Not much had changed since the time he was a child. They still don't have the resources that everybody else would have. So, by the way, financially, almost for sure, Jesus couldn't afford to do anything. But even if he could afford to do something, he didn't have time. There there wasn't a BevMo. There there wasn't a, 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 a store to go buy the wine in. You would have to plan way ahead of time to get that much wine. So he didn't have the money and he didn't have the time. But somehow Mary knew he could change it all. He could take this moment and turn it into something special. He could provide the rescue that was needed. By the way, what is your running out of wine moment? Is it when you don't have enough money to pay rent? Is it when you, you have a car that you need because you can't go to work without it and it breaks down and you don't have the money to fix it? Uh, is it that you know, all of a sudden your children, you, there, there's an expense there and you're not sure what to do about it and, and you're a good parent, but you just, it's beyond you? Is it a health issue? By the way, don't miss that in this case, it was something that Jesus looked at and he's going to have to come through in a special way. And Jesus does do that. Jesus does come through that way. Uh, Pam and I, one time, uh, we were in the ministry. We had young kids. Uh, The church wasn't able to pay us very much so we could barely make it. And our car broke down and we needed it for a ministry event that was coming up. And um, I thought, maybe I can borrow one. I don't know what to do. But this car is so unreliable. And I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, I I don't have a clue what to do. Uh, We ended up going to church that Sunday. By the way, I got a ride to church. But I didn't tell anybody what was going on. I'll never forget this moment. An older man walked up to me. He said, Chuck, can I see you? And I said, yeah, what do you need? And he said, God spoke to me last night in a dream here, and he handed me keys to a car. He goes, it's yours. Yeah, yeah. It was a big car. It was bigger than, you know, it's what we needed, and it ran great. By the way, it wasn't luxurious. It was just a nice big car, 
And I go home and I go, Pam, guess what we have? Look at this car. Now our kids have room. They're not all crammed in. Now we can take students everywhere. And this God, God just spoke to him and said, give it to him, give it to him. And you know what? It was in the moment we needed it. Also, it's interesting. It would have been a miracle to us anytime, but it was the very moment we needed it. And God does that. Jesus does that. He comes through. So what happens? He says, woman, what does this have to do with us? Now, it is worth pointing out, because some of you may be wondering, why would he call her woman? Uh, That doesn't seem to be a very nice term, does it? Like if I go home today and I walk in the house and I look at Pam and I say, woman, get me a chicken pot pie. I'm not going to get one. Right? My mom, if I had said, woman, come here, that would not have worked. What you need to know is actually in that day and that time, it was very kind. It was very honoring. It was a very loving thing to do. It goes all the way back to the idea that when Adam was lonely and, and, and didn't have Eve, that God gave him Eve, but he didn't call her Eve, he named her woman. And, and it was the idea of this is God's great gift. And women in the Jewish culture were honored that way. Moms were honored that way. Grandmothers were really honored that way. So for me... It's really powerful to know that when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he's dying in the midst of everything else, he looks at Mary and cares about her, cares about the hurt, the pain she's in, and he calls her woman. And he talks to John and to Mary, and he says this in John 19, 26 and 27. Remember, he's on the cross. And it says, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to the mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. Now, now don't miss what's going on here. On the cross, Jesus looks and cares about where Mary's going to live. Who's going to take care of her? And uh, the New Living Translation doesn't have just woman, that has dear woman. And in the midst of an agonizing time where he could barely speak, he calls out and cares for his mom. Way back here at this wedding feast is this couple. And he's, okay, I'm going to do it. Mom, I'll do it. I'll take care of them. All the signs are going to start now. Everything's going to start being put into motion because you asked me to and because somebody has a need. And then, interestingly, Mary says those words. He says, she says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. By the way, I want you to think about that. Whatever he tells you to do, do it because that's a key to miracles taking place. It is one of the three most important things that must come together in our hearts and lives for miracles to happen. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. The New Testament is written in Koine Greek. It's an incredible language. And the word whatever in the Greek means whatever. That's it. It's not hard to know. 
It means anything he tells you to do and everything he tells you to do, do it. By the way, I hope you're a whatever person. Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. If I read it in the Bible, I'll do it. If you show it to me any other way, I'll do it. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. And Jesus wonders at people who aren't that way. In uh, Luke 6, verse 46, it says, Why do you call me, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I, I, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but I hope those words are never said about you and me. I hope the Lord doesn't look going, Chuck, why do you even call yourself a Christian? You don't do what I say. And, and I want you to know, he still loves you, but it's not okay. By the way, when you love someone and they don't act the way they're supposed to, that's not okay, right? Matter of fact, catch this. I, I got to say that if I don't care about you, I really care less what you do. And Jesus cares too much to just care less what you do. So he says, why don't you do what I say? Why don't you do what I say? Let me tell you two words that cannot go together in reality. It's the word no Lord. If he's Lord, you can't say no, right? It's always got to be yes. And so Jesus is about to enact this incredible miracle based on whatever you tell me to do. Now, remember, that's the third of three things that position you in a place to experience the miraculous. The first one is faith. Yeah, if you're studying in our journal, and I hope you have the journal and you're studying in it. And by the way, if you don't, you can still catch up. Uh, but, but the first is you got to have faith. And, and we saw yesterday in the journal something Jesus said to a Roman officer. And it says in Matthew 8, 13, Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home because you believed it has happened. Did you catch why the miracle happened? Did you catch why? He said, because you believed. So you have to have faith. We're going to even study on that more in the coming weeks. But, but believing in Jesus, having faith in Jesus is a key. The second is you have to have conviction. We saw that last week. Uh, and last week in Daniel chapter 3, verse 18, we saw that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were told, you're going to die. And God can't rescue you. And what did they say? They said, you know, God can rescue us. But then they use this words. But even if he doesn't, even if he does not, uh, they were a people of conviction. I'm going to believe in the Lord if he gives the miracle. I'm going to believe in the Lord if he doesn't. I'm going to believe in the Lord if he brings the rescue. I'm going to believe in him if he doesn't. I'm an even if he does not person. And you know what? That is the kind of conviction we need to see miracles occur. But then we come to this one, the third one, obedience. So you got to have faith. you got to have conviction. you got to have obedience. And obedience is whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And, and so that is what's going to cause this miracle to happen. That's what's going to put it into place. So you and I have to be that way. And in the Bible, we see many, many, many people who are that way. And we see more who aren't. Sad to say in the church, we see many, many people who are, oh, whatever you say to do, I'll do it. And more who aren't. More who aren't. And they miss out. 
I'm going to go to the book of Jeremiah now. So kind of travel back in time from where we were with me. Jeremiah is with the people when it is clear. And Jeremiah has told them unequivocally that the Babylonians are coming and they will take the city. They were the greatest empire of that day. They were an army that had been undefeated. And Jeremiah said, they're coming and they will take the city. God's not going to spare it. So now the people turn to Jeremiah and say, well, what do we do? What do we do? Because the Babylonians are known to uh, make people's lives miserable. The Babylonians are known to loot, to pillage, to, to, um, to commit violent acts against people, to kill them, to grab them and force them into slavery. They're like, what do we do? And, and then here's what's so interesting about it. Uh, they, they say to Jeremiah, you go and ask God what we're supposed to do, and whatever God says to do, we'll do. Because we think we should go to Egypt to get out of here. Should we go to Egypt to be safe? Because we don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through the pain. We don't want to have that happen. And in Jeremiah 42, verse 5, then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with the whole message with which the Lord your God will send to us. They said, go ask God and, and you know, we're going to do whatever he says. And may, may God, may God know that we'll do everything according to the whole message of what he says. And they go on to say this, whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, we will listen to the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it may go well with us when we listen to the voice of the Lord our God. So they said, what are we supposed to do? So Jeremiah goes away and prays for 10 days. He comes back and says, the Lord said, stay here. You know what they did? They went to Egypt. They just said, we'll do whatever God said. So here's the thing you need to know. God was going to do a miracle and protect them if they had stayed. He was going to raise up these men you've heard of, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And because of them, the Nebuchadnezzar would want to have favor on the Jewish people. But the ones who stayed get the favor. The one who go to Egypt, all of the things they were afraid of happened. In Egypt, they were tortured. In Egypt, they were imprisoned. In Egypt, they were enslaved. But if they had stayed according to the word of the Lord, they'd have been protected. How many Christians is this true of? By the way, if you're not a Christian, uh, I would say you probably wonder that sometimes too. By the way, I can't tell you there are people I've heard non-Christians say, but I thought they were Christian when they're talking about how we act. But see, are we a whatever you say person? Lord, whatever you say, whether it's easy or hard, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, uh, whether it, it's not something I would normally have done or not done, I will do. And when you do, guess what? God begins to bless. God begins to touch us. God begins to make it happen. And so we need to do that. By the way, whether it makes sense to us or not. Why? Because God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, it says, God says, For my ways are not your, or my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, The way I look at things, the way I think about things is way different. 
You know, uh, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, to be honest, most of us are like, I'll hit you back twice as hard. Now, most of you know the Bible says not to do that, but we always think there's an exception. So someone takes a shot at you, God says, you don't hit back. That doesn't make any sense at all. Guess what? But it works. It works because it's God. God said it's way different. And he said, it may not make sense to you. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in whatever Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So the Lord is looking at all of us and saying, are you going to listen to me? Are you going to do what I tell you to do? By the way, it's so interesting to me. In this passage, it goes on to say in verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you know better than God. And it says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. And I think here's where I always go. Almost every Christian I know goes, yes, amen, let's do that. And the Lord says, okay, verse 9, honor me from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Huh. God said, don't, don't be wise in your own eyes. Put me first in your finances. Give to me first. And we're like, oh, wait, I'd have to put my money where my mouth is. I'd have to be a whatever person. Huh. I've heard people say, well, I, I don't want to go to a crossroads because you guys preach about money. Yep, we do. Yeah, we do. We also preach about love. We preach about forgiveness. We, we just preach it all. But it's not whether you like it or not based on whether we preach it. It's what God says. And notice what the Lord says in verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And you're like, but wait a minute. It doesn't make sense. But Mary would tell you whatever he tells you to do, do it. And so in the case back at the wedding feast, what happens? It says in verse 6, John 2, verse 6. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Now it would not look exactly like this, but it's not all that dissimilar. But it would be this size. So imagine six of these babies. And, and they would have had them there for a purification as the wedding guests come. So now they're, they're, they're probably maybe a quarter full or almost dry as they were used for purification purposes. But they would be this big. So you got, you got a 30-gallon jar. You got six of them. That's 180 gallons. That's a lot. That's a lot. But it also tells you that a lot of people were there. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And I love the next line. So they what? Filled them to the what? Let's say it together. They filled them to the? Oh, the brim. Fill this to the, fill it up. And they said, if Jesus said to do it, then it goes to the brim. It's not going to be three-quarter way. It's not going to be halfway. It's not going to be throw some in. If Jesus said to do it, fill it to the brim. Why? Well, it doesn't make sense. We don't need water. We need wine. And Jesus 
or actually in, in Proverbs it says, if you put me first, your vat will overflow with what? New wine. So here comes, here comes the moment. And he said to them, draw some water out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. So what happens is they do exactly what Jesus said, not with one, but with six of these. And, and now it's filled to the brim. And he said, I want you to do something that doesn't make sense. Take water and give it to the head waiter. He doesn't need water. Yeah, he's not asking for water. He wants wine. And it says in verse 9, when the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who draw the, drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you, you've kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. I love this whole thing. Think about this. This is the best wine that's ever been made. This is the best wine that's ever been drunk. I, I bet you money people sat around for years going, I was at that wedding feast. That was good wine. And nothing tastes as good as that today. But they filled it to the brim. Every drop was precious. Every drop would be amazing because of their obedience, because of them saying yes to the Lord. And so in that moment, Jesus does something incredible. He transforms an ordinary thing, water, into extraordinary, the wine. And it's not just the wine, it's the best of the wine. But they had to do whatever he said. They had to do whatever he said. And it, it affected their, their ordinary life and made it extraordinary. Uh, we have an amazing woman in our church, Shanisha. Yeah, I love Shanisha. Yeah, you guys are, yeah, okay, yeah, there you are, yeah. I, you know I love you, right? Yeah. Shanisha, by the way, is an Army veteran. Thank you seriously for your service. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I got to say, I love everything about you. She's vivacious. She's alive. And uh, Shanisha has had some moments that she had to do the whatever. And uh, you know what? I in the times you and I have interacted, you've always done whatever. As a matter of fact, we're not going to tell this one. But Shanisha had a very difficult whatever moment, and she did it. And I'm like, wow. Uh, let me just say this. This may, may or may not surprise you, but let me say it. I take for granted that all of our Crossroads family are whatever people. I really do. I think if I can show you in the word what it says, you'll do it. I just, that's what I believe. I was with a couple that was living together and they honestly didn't know it was wrong and they're talking to me and I'm like, wait, wait, are you guys living together? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's do a timeout. And I showed them scripture and I said, I think God wants you to get married. And they looked at me and go, okay, we will. And I did their wedding like three days later. I mean, by the way, if you're, not, if you're living with someone not married, I'll do your wedding for free. You know, we'll get you in there. I was with a college couple, and, and they're just talking about a trip they're going on, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. just you two? Yeah. You're going to stay in the same hotel room? Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, yes, there is. And I began to talk about what their heavenly father sees wrong with that. 
And they go, well, then we'd have to cancel our trip. And I said, yeah, I, I think it's worth it. And then I said, but I got the other question. Are you guys sexually active? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, let's talk about that. And you know what? They committed to cancel the trip and to being pure from that point on. You know, it's just what happens, you know, here. And so Shanisha, I think that's one thing I love about her is that I think if I ever show you something in Scripture, you're going to do it, even if it's hard, right? And, and she was willing to share her story with us when there was a moment that wasn't easy. I want you to see it. In 2018, my apartment complex got bought out, and um, the new owners came in and they raised my rent $120. And I was like, I don't have $120. <laughs> like, what's going on? Um, and so, also the issue was that normally around this time, because it was like towards the end of November, December, my agency would let us know if we would possibly get a raise the next year. And they said they didn't know if that was possible because a lot of cuts in regards to our contracts. Also in this time, I was dealing with a lot because my apartment complex had been flooding. So every time it would rain, which we do know it's not that often, but when it would rain in California, it would flood. It would flood in my bedroom, the kids' bedroom. So I'm like, my place keeps flooding. They raising my rent. I don't know what to do. So I was like, stop taking things into your own hands. I prayed about it. Um, I went to the office and complained and um, was told I was going to be given a new unit and so I could move. So then I was moving, but then it was like the expenses with moving and what am I going to do and how am I going to make this happen? After being frustrated and dealing with it, I just signed the lease. I was like, God, I have no idea where this $120 are going to come from. I started paying my tithes, and things just worked out. Things just started to work out, and I didn't have to worry about certain things. I didn't rely on payday loans or asking people to borrow money to my next paycheck. And that just let me know that all I need to do is trust in Him, and things can be possible. So from then on out, I was paying my tithes. So one night, it was in December, and I was driving home from work, and I just know that like my mood was off. Like My mood was off about a lot of things. So I was upset, had a rough day at work. My boss called me, and um, she's like, did you see the new memo? And I was like, no, I didn't see the new memo. She was like, yeah, we're actually going to be able to get a raise this year. And also, veterans are getting a dollar stipend. And I'm a veteran, and I was like, what? She was like, yeah. And you're getting more money for however many years you've been here. And at the time, I'd been at the agency about six years. And so I went home, checked the email, did the calculations. I'm sorry, I get all emotional on this point. It was literally a, like a few dollars over the amount that I needed. So it was like I signed my lease because my lease was up like December 2nd. So I'd already signed my lease but still had no idea where the money was coming from. For me, it was so moving that God showed up. Then on top of that, when I went to go pick out my new unit, my unit had a washer and dryer in it, so that meant I didn't have to try to go to wash my clothes anywhere else. It was remodeled, and they said they weren't going to charge me anything more because of my inconvenience. I knew it was God, and it was a miracle. And like I moved out, and I literally sat in my old apartment and just prayed and thanked God because it just allowed me to know that if I just choose to not rely on my own will and myself and give it to God, He takes care of it because I have no idea what the future holds, but He does. Yeah.
Thank you for sharing your story. Um, I love all of it. I really love the part about you needed a washer and dryer, and that was just a bonus from God. Does God care enough about you to give you a washer and dryer? You bet. Yeah, so that becomes something extraordinary. It's now not ordinary anymore. And the idea that she got a better apartment and God took care of everything and you just trust it all the way. And, and that's what all of us can do. And so all of a sudden, like, where do I live becomes extraordinary because of God's moving. How do I, I live life and navigate life becomes extraordinary because of God's moving. But all of this is based on whatever. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I pray and ask that you, you touch each one of us. You know us by name. You love us with an everlasting love. And God, I pray that we would be whatever people. So, Lord, I, I, I ask that you would begin to, in love, which you always come to us with, in kindness and mercy, God, move in our hearts. Is there a husband, Lord, who needs to say, whatever you want me to do to love my wife better, I will. Is there a mom and dad who think, Lord, it's, it's not easy right now, but whatever you want us to do for our child, we will. Lord, is there someone here right now who needs, who needs to stop something? It's dark, and they're trying to keep it secret, but it's not healthy, and it's not good. And now's a whatever moment, whatever I need to stop and put an end to, I will. Lord, I think there's someone who's on the verge of doing something in a relational setting they shouldn't. They haven't done it yet, but I pray, oh God, whatever, whatever you want them to do, they're going to now do, and they'll put an end to that, and not go down that road, and not experience that pain, and other people in their life. They know who they are. And Lord, right now, I pray for anyone who needs to commit their life to you, and say, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit my life to you completely. And they're going to come to know you and come to know your love and come to know your forgiveness and healing. And, and Lord, so in this whatever moment, may they call out to the name of Jesus. May that become something now that's stirring inside them. Lord, I pray for some people who are Christians. Lord, I love them, that you love them, but it's time for them to live a whatever life. And so some of them right now, God, you're stirring and they need to recommit. I pray for couples who need to recommit their marriage. I pray for uh, some single people, Lord, who allowed this season not to be a good one, and, and they'll commit themselves to you more completely. God, I pray for someone who's right now, it's just stirring, but they've had pain from the past, and I pray they're going to let you come and love them in a way that the past will not have power in their life anymore. So, Lord, we pray for this whatever moment, this whatever moment. Right now, if that's you, if you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ, pray a prayer with me. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And if you're a whatever person, you're going to do that right now. Call on the name of the Lord. Pray a prayer and call him your Lord. So let's do that together. Say, Lord Jesus, you are the Lord of my life now. You are the one that I want to love. And I want your love. 
So I commit my life to you. I say yes to you. So I pray that everything about who I am, everything that I will be, everything that I do will be totally committed to you because I say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you pray that prayer and you're online, I want you to text amen to 77247. And as you go today, may you go with a whatever mindset, experiencing whatever God wants you to do and experience the fulfillment of the promise in his life, in your life. God bless you and have a great day. Amen, amen. Wow, what a powerful message that was. It was just really good. And I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer and you invited Jesus into your heart, text amen to 77247. Our team want to come alongside you, help you on this journey, and give you some resources. Yeah, and if any part of this message resonated with you, or if you need any prayer request, feel free to put it in the chat. Our team reads every single message, and we'd love to know how we can be praying for you this week. Yes, and uh, make sure to hit that bell button, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss out on any future messages. We are live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and on demand after that. Yes, thank you so much for worshiping with us. It was an incredible Sunday, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Take care.